podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. One now for Chelsea in the end of fourth round. Tough one really. Loads of football from Everton. Gave it a great go. Some of the players just coming over to the Bradley Street end now. Lukalenko and Holgate. Obviously starts in the worst way possible. Horrible injury for Van Godfrey. Hope he's okay on now. Injury to Yeni Mina as well, which is no surprise at this point is there for. Players all seem pretty defiant and spirits seem pretty high. Never really felt like we were going to score a goal today. Like I said, lots of running, lots of hard work. But there's no focal point, there's no quality in the final third. Michael Lampard's coming over now. Tough one. They're bringing on Conor Gallagher, who's on the PFA Player of the Year shortlist last year to waste time and win three kicks and files. And they've got nothing on the bench. It's just um, no, the, the, the club needs to do a lot of work in, in regards. I know we get two midfielders in, but 
It's painful watching that front three times today. They all tried the best. Bless them, but Everton level I scored a goal today. Um, some really good performances. But Alex Werribee looks like a central midfielder ready for this league now. He was excellent. Nathan Parson, brilliant on his Premier League debut. Um, James Tarkovsky, fantastic as well. But loads of puff, loads of great effort. Loads of good running around. But no quality. That's where the Southampton team are at today. Chelsea just had that little bit of extra at the end of the first half and we were getting tired. Played a couple of nice passes, they draw the foul, they get the penalty, they win the game. and That's where we are. I'm, we'll see what everybody else has to say about it as well. We're back to Debbie Castle. Surely my voice is gone, you can turn off in the match for a while. The loads of recording this week. I've had to let the others do the, the talking for me, but it's Everton nil. Chelsea won. Tough way to start the season. Some good signs for Everton, but a lot of work to do. Don't say that. We're back at the Debbie Castle after the game. Uh, my voice, as everyone can probably hear, is completely gone. But I should probably say, the Debbie Castle is our new sponsor for this show, this season. I'm not giving them the most ringing of endorsements at the moment because I can't say anything. Uh, but Mike Diash is going to tell you why it's the best place to come watch Everton. Or certainly why it's the best place to come before and after Everton games in town. It's very lovely. It's genuinely very lovely. Um, the beers are nice. I don't drink beer, but you know, beers are apparently nice. <laughs> what an endorsement. Yeah, yeah, beers, good beer. Um, the rum's sound, if, you, if you're a rum fan. And you know what? There's not actually anything to do with Liverpool, which is really nice. Yeah. There's a little Everton shrine in the bottom, which is lovely. And it's just a nice vibe, isn't it? Being here before the game today was really, really nice. I enjoyed it. And it sounds like I am doing a pure... Have you tried the Denby Castle? That's what we want, though. Yeah, the worst, we sponsor them now. Yeah, but so they not, sponsor us rather, so that's what we need. Yeah, but I'm not doing that. I'm saying it's genuinely real. Because if it was shit, I'd just say <laughs> it was shit. Because this is your problem, not mine. Is that, is that what we're going to go with? It's not shit. It's not. <laughs> yeah, the Denby Castle, it's not shit. Matt Dawson, have you got a more ringing endorsement than that? I mean, when it comes to town pubs, it's not shit. It's like way up there, isn't it? And you said there, you corrected yourself. You right, said, let's just put this outside. <laughs> you corrected yourself there. You said the Denby Castle sponsored the Blue Room, not the other way around. But I actually worked it out for last season. And the assorted people who've been on this show over the past 12 months, we probably put a, the thick end of 10 grand behind that bar. So, you know, it goes both ways. Yeah. But it is, it's a phenomenal pub. There's very few pubs left in the city centre which you could describe as blue pubs. You've got this one, you've got the Excelsior down the road. Dale Street used to be a haven for blues. And it's just, it's not, it's all gone downhill. You know, the tourist dollar chasing those box night peoples. And it's, it's not really the same anymore. But the girl who runs at Denby Castle, she, she told us before, she used to bring, uh, run Rigby's when it had that little Everton thing behind the bar with this, you know, the scars like Sigma Olomuch and that and the little shrine to Brian Lebone. And that's suddenly disappeared, obviously, when she moved here and the Bridewell. So. Absolutely, get yourselves down if you can get through the door, like because it's getting more and more packed every game. Yeah, certainly for today, it was absolutely ram. Keith, we're just talking about how good our new sponsors at Denby Castle are. A quick word on them before we go into the game. I mean, there's not many pubs in town that would inspire me to spend three hours trying to make a TikTok, <laughs> but the Denby did. Um, it was a labour of love. Wait there, how old are you? How old do I look? <laughs> 
No, no, I'm, this is a safe space. We don't need to disclose that information. This is a man currently having a midlife crisis making TikToks. Just spare that in mind. Carry on. Making our TikTok. <laughs> That's where. As just described, I've made one TikTok. I just use it for scrolling. Right. Anyway, you're, de- <laughs> you're detracting from the important, important fact here. Genuinely, it's that good a pub, and they've been that welcoming to us that we have like completely forsworn any other boozer along Dale Street for the purposes of pre and post match drinking. And there are a lot of good boozers on Dale Street, so that tells you just how good the Denby Castle is. Yeah. And some of the Everton players like coming here as well. We've been reliably informed, so you know, make of that what you will. But on to the match then, lads. Uh, obviously. Mike, Chelsea getting the win in the end, but I don't know, one of those where you come away from it being, you know, quite pleased with the efforts Everton put in, quite pleased with aspects of the game, but I think the, the, the big word for me coming out of that was just quality, I think. As much as Chelsea didn't have loads today, they had that little bit more than Everton, and that's ultimately what got them over the line, I think. Yeah, it wasn't a great game of football, was it? I think if you have a striker on the pitch, a half-decent striker, that game probably gets drawn. And we would all look, come away and go, yeah, fair result. But as you say, keyword there is quality and Everton don't have very much. Um, but it's, it's strange because we seem to have come away from that game with a sense that things are a little bit more solid, yeah. a sense that things aren't as gaping and as just powder puff as they once were. And the thing that does annoy me with it is that okay yeah fine you don't have a centre forward but it's still the same Everton thing of players being scared of a football I mean you look at um, Alex Iwobi we can put about his position he's number eight tries to make things happen very good but a lot of the players still terrified of a football and I think that is the key difference we talk about quality and I don't even think it goes as far as the word quality I think it's confidence and wanting the ball it's just the amount of times that Chelsea have passed through midfield in three, four passes because that's what they're trained to do, that's where they're confident enough to do, and Everton wouldn't. And that's the tell of the tape, isn't it? Yeah, um, I agree with the same vibe. I'm not devastated, I'm not furious, a bit frustrated with it, but uh, I said to one of our lads on a WhatsApp group before, we look more competent in that game than we did in 34 out of 38 last season in the league it was just yeah, defensively yeah defensively and just generally like in control of the ball like in the first two thirds obviously not the final third because we didn't have a final third we were playing with two wing backs two wingers and no centre forward I mean more on that later in terms of Lampard tactics and selection but yeah it was just that lack of cutting edge and that sort of death and quality really and considering the amount of players who even on the start of 11 today, like Brian McNeil and um, Patterson, who, to all intents and purposes, obviously McNeil was, but to all intents and purposes, Patterson was like basically making his Everton debut yeah. there because everything else was so soft start. And yeah, the pair of them, you know, Patterson I thought was fantastic. I thought he was considering everything, he was very good. Brian McNeil maybe didn't set the world alight, but they didn't look lost, they didn't look like they were drowning, do you know what I mean? And for a first game of the season, in a season which it's going to be long, it's going to be difficult at times, it's it's not so much about rebuilding and it's not so much about surviving, it's just about just laying a bit of a foundation. So, obviously, if you're going to lose the first game of the season, I'd rather lose it like that. 
agree with um, what Matt said at the end there. We talk, we're talking about a foundation. Um, what Lampard's put out there today is a blueprint for the season. Given how porous we were and how easily we conceded goals last season, his first priority has to be rigidity at the back, becoming more solid. Even if that takes away a little bit of the like flair going forward, not that there was much of that last season, but we have to stop leaking silly goals. We have to stop losing like three or four goals a game from poor decisions at the back, poor marking at the back. And I think you saw that today. Like um, this, this new shape. Obviously, we had to make a change early on. Holgate came in. To Holgate's credit, I, I've I've been a big critic of him, but within ten minutes of being on the pitch, he'd won three headers at corners <laughs> to clear them away. Um, just a quick segue onto that. Chelsea's corners today were brilliant. They were very dangerous. Every single one of them was like whipped into that front post, and it forces the defence to make a make a decision on it. Do you go for it? Do you try and get ahead on it, or do you leave it and hope for the game? And they had a lot of them, and they came from clearing them out for corners, and they they just built up, and it builds pressure on a team. And I'd like to see Everton be a bit more switched on with set pieces like that. Back to the back to the defensive shape. I think. Obviously, you've lost Ben Godfrey now for possibly the se- possibly the season, at least until the new year. So you've got to you've got to plan. Um, you've lost Mina for however long because he's made of biscuits. I think, so, you, forget, I think you forget about him now. Yeah. That so was, that was almost like parody, wasn't it? Yeah. It was as soon as he did that, the entire ground was just like, "Oh my god, again!" They like they like, like two weird shimmies, didn't they? Yeah. And then like it was, I couldn't tell if he was like doing it on purpose to try and do some skill or like he was just like testing his leg out or whatever it's very weird wasn't it it's, it's like he's got to the point of being a parody of himself now yeah. I think we sat here what about a year ago Matt probably a little bit over and we talked about is he going to get a new deal what do you do with him yeah. I think the answer is pretty clear now is yeah. the at the end of this season he will walk for absolutely no money and I don't think anyone will have any issues with that because you just you walk <laughs> well good point yeah you'll do well to walk but I think that it gets to that point where you can't rely on someone like that and I've spent the past two days absolutely being dead set against the idea of Connor Cody coming in but you look at that now well yeah that's going to happen now and it well, probably I thought I'd switch to myself there like 30 games of Cody whatever you think of as a player are more reliable than 10 from me you know it is yeah I'd rather have if you could guarantee me both of them played 30 games I'd rather have mean it but you can't do that and that's and we saw the reality of that today so it's one of them where you just have to say fine let, let me paint you a picture with my imagination brush oh god I hate your imagination brush it's a lovely imagination brush right, right? can I just interrupt the imagination brush with a quick question can we recall Jared Brantwaite or has he had no, the face? No. no. Okay. So, James Tarkowski, great game today, by yeah, the way. Really like, good. very solid. Had a couple of wayward passes. That one that he chipped out to Hallgate, I was yeah. like, I, I wanted him strangled for. But other than that, he was very, very good today. And you could see that the other defenders around took the lead from him. Yeah. He led the defence today which is a big thing um him in the middle of a defensive three was Seamus Coleman on one side and Mikalenko on the other that is very bold with Vinagra 
and Patterson as your wing backs. So you're playing one centre half. No, you're playing three centre halves. <laughs> you're playing two makeshift centre halves and one real centre half. Both of those, Mikalenko when he slipped into centre half today when Vinagra came on was solid. He won every header. Yes, he gave away a silly free kick, but that's not new for an Everton defender, right? Coleman is defensively very good. Everton's the criticisms of Coleman are not his defensive production. It's what he does going forward. If he doesn't have to go back and forward up and down that line, just sit him on the right hand side of a back three, and he can. It's a it's a like a leadership role where that he can lead Patterson through a game. Patterson for me showed enough today yeah. that like he should be starting right back. Yeah, I think that that. That's your that's your short term defence. Unless you want to go out and use one of your signings as a centre half. Well, well, Holgate played well with me to be fair when he came. Holgate out. Holgate had a very good game to be fair. Like that, that's doing a disservice to Holgate. So you maybe play him as one of the three. I, I think you can get away with one of them too, playing centre half, Coleman and Mikelenko, but not both of them. Mike, I know you got you're shaking your head. Can I just say that the views of Keith do not reflect absolutely <laughs> any other person in the entire world. I, I, I like the imagination brush, though. Yeah, the imagination brush is great. Let's just lock it away and never talk about it ever again. <laughs> telling you, that back five, that back five wins you absolutely nothing but mid-table mediocrity. And for this year, I'm all right with it. I would take mid-table mediocrity right now if offered. Um, it's not a back five, it's a back one and then four pull back. <laughs> I mean, think how quick we would attack on the counter. Probably not that quick. Seamus Coleman's not fast. Kick off first after every goal. <laughs> uh, but I do want to speak about um, Awobi. Matt, I'll come to you on this um, because you know, I, think, I think a lot of people are concerned about him in that position today. Certainly playing a two alongside the core, eh? But I think as Mike alluded to, I'm sure Mike's really keen to speak about him because he's always sort of backed him and always said, you know, he, he's going to. Shaking his head. No, I haven't. He hasn't. Uh, I was trying to give you credit there, mate. But, no, don't do that. Uh, um, but he was great today, wasn't he? He looked really assured in that position. And he, he looks like a Premier League central midfielder now. Yeah. And the, the best sort of... It's not even a backhander compliment. The, the best weird, surreal compliments I can give Alex Iwobi is... I have no idea what his best position is. Because in the last six months, he's been stuck at number eight. He's been stuck at filling right wing back and he's been stuck in as a number 10 and he's, he's done really well in all of them like just maybe it's just Lampard maybe it's just the manager's influence on him building up his confidence but well basically we know he's not a winger that's all we need to know and yeah he was he was fantastic today you know Jess is here Mike's other half first game at the ground today and she spotted him straight away and said yeah, he looks like the only one who's like doing stuff and you know what, what did he say? Having an influence on the game? Having an impact on the game? Yeah. No? And, and that's from a rugby league person, so it's like, you know, it's tactically <laughs> focused. Michael, what do you think of Obi today? I thought he was the best player on the pitch with Evan. Yeah. Um, I, I think Matt makes a good point about you, he, he plays so well in different positions, and he has. But I do think it is clear that being a number eight is absolutely where he belongs. I think that. You spoke about it, I think, after the Kiev game, Matt, where he had good moments and he had bad moments. And I think that weighted again in favour of good moments yeah. further. There was a lot more, and he seems to be getting more to grips with it. And I do think that if you put players around him in a 4 3 3, if you have someone who 
So you don't even have to sit properly, but can just plug those holes behind him like a Garnagay and someone like Decore, who I thought Decore was all right today. If he could just be good at passing, he'd be fucking great. Because it's just painful. But everything else, yeah, sounds unlucky with the penalty. It's just one of those things. But um, back to the Wobi, it's he, he needs two players around him that can do those, do it a bit more of the dare to can do it a bit of the harder graft. Because his creative influence and his willing to take the ball is what Everton need, and it's what Everton need more in players. It's nice to see a player in the middle of the park want the ball, want to take it, want to switch it, want to move it around, and that hasn't died off yet, and I'm really thankful it hasn't, because I was worried that coming into this season, all that confidence that you built up would have just gone straight away, and because I don't know, you get to like Minnesota United and the debacle that was, but as it's come further through, that confidence has stayed, because I feel like I don't, I don't, I'm not privy to the conversations between him and Lampard or what goes on behind closed doors, but it does seem like he's been told what's actually going to happen there. It seems like he's been told, no, no, this is where I see you, this is where I see you playing, and I really do hope so. Yeah, if it feels like that position on like the left of a midfield three, yeah. that would be like, you know, you could put like Garner sitting and Anana and Awobi as you two going forward, or, you know, the core and Awobi, like that, that, that feels like his ideal role, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that. It's testament to him that we probably sat here a year ago talking about one of the greatest value for money flops in Everton's history. And he is turning it around. I'm not going to say he has turned it around because I want to see this consistently. And I think that we've always been too quick to, when you look at players. I think Tarkovsky is one and Van der Beek and players like that where they have a couple of good games and we're like, bloody hell, I want to see it consistently. We said this with Jordan Pickford about 18 months ago and you can now say he's a good goalkeeper. Well, let's forget about today. Well, exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those where I do want to see it consistently. He is turning that corner and he's one of my first names on the team sheet and I do think that I know the interest in signing two midfielders he's the one that's got to remain in that midfield because he wants to create things he wants to drive that team forwards so this isn't on a Wobie it just popped into my head just to drag us back just to reassure the listeners um, Ben Godfrey uh, Lampard said in his post-match he's got a small fracture he was right underneath us it was an ugly one like his, his ankle bent the wrong way and everything like that but he looked like one of them weird like dislocation things yeah. it doesn't look like a season ender it could be like an Andre Gomez in like three months yeah. I reckon we will see him like maybe come, you know, sort of training light training after the World Cup or something like that I don't think it's a season ender thanks physio Matt uh, Keith, you got any thoughts on Ark's worry before you get him tattooed on your skin in a few weeks? Just, yeah, just, just to reassure the listening audience, that is happening. We're in the process now <laughs> of just finalising a design, and Alex Iwobi will be on me. Now, we, we are exploring possibilities of having this as a live Blue Room broadcast Ooh, yeah. from the Denby Castle, if we, can, if we can get everyone involved in this. Um, <laughs> I mean, legal schmeagle. It's a podcast. We'll do. This is post match. Is the podcast that does what it wants. It, it could be the, short, it wants, could be the shortest sponsorship deal in history. On this As the pub gets closed for illegal tattooing. <laughs> like, what what oh. happened? You branded a man. <laughs> um, like always sunny titles. Keith gets sepsis. <laughs> uh, no. But, uh, Agree with what Michael said. Like Alex Wolby right now is one of the first names on the team sheet. He is genuinely like his work rate and enthusiasm and effort that he puts in is ahead of ever anyone else in the team. He covers. He probably. I'd. I'd like to see the statistics on it, but I'd put good mo- yeah. good money on him covering more distance than any other player 
Um, and you saw it a few times today where all he had to do was press and it pushed Chelsea onto a back foot and they had to go back. And then that relieves a lot of pressure on the back line. And it, it can't be overstated how important that is to a team that's under a lot of pressure. Just getting that brief period where they're not constantly on top of you because someone's pushed them back up the pitch. Um, yeah, he, do, he does still have flaws in his game. He's not like he's not perfect. But I do think one thing about Obi when he gets the ball is 99 times out of 100, his pass will be positive. Even if it doesn't come off, like it might, it, he'll try something. And a couple of times today, it was intercepted. But he tries to make stuff happen. And that's huge from the midfield. And that will, like, more times than not, that will pay off. And you'll get men in behind the lines through that. And it's a, it's a good thing to have as a midfielder. And I think, we're, like, obviously, we're looking at bringing in midfielders. Um, we've got this. Uh, Onana Cat coming in from Leo and uh, Ghana Gay is looking like he's going to sign again. Um, yeah, we, 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 we won't go into that in too much depth right now, but um, so that gives a bit of like solidity in the midfield that, like, that makes you a bit more sort of stable at the back, if you will. Does that allow then? Does that allow Awobi to push a little bit further forward and be in that not quite the number ten role, but in between the lines where he can carry the ball into space and look for that final pass through to the forwards, which is something I think that if he adds that to his game, if he if, it, if that's his game rather than having to constantly press and tackle, it can allow him to be a bit more expressive, a bit more freedom, and I think we see a bit more of him that way. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to take that away. I think that we saw more physicality to his game today. Yeah. I think we see. He has got, he has got like that little pass between centre back and full back, hasn't he, as well in his game? Oh, absolutely. He can do that as well. Absolutely, yeah. and that's what I, I wouldn't want to take any of those bits away because I think he, he can be really well rounded in a lot of different aspects. I wouldn't want to pigeon on and be like, right, you're just going to focus on being creative because if you take that away from the team and the energy and his, yeah. because he has been more physical and more able in the tackle recently than I would say, and that's obviously come from playing right wing back a lot last season. But it's really, really benefited this game, I think, and playing because I was worried looking at that midfield duo today and seeing him really, really thriving, winning the ball back, sitting deep, taking it, driving forwards. It's just it frustrates me so much that Everton have got themselves in a position where there is no. Cause I know people will be screaming because we haven't mentioned it, but it's almost a given at this point that they haven't replaced with Charles and yet so we end up in a situation where one injury has no centre forward available which is just bonkers and no matter how your team plays if you're going up against a team that will be trying to qualify for the Champions League and you don't have a centre forward in your squad you're probably not going to score very many goals and that's just it's it's negligence we've spoken about it it is and it is infuriating because you go forwards and you really hope that these next few weeks aren't wasted because I don't think they can be wasted. I think if we go through the next two or three games and there is no one, and I know that we'll have Salman Rondon, we're back, but apart from that... We, he doesn't start a bit though, does he? Well, I don't know. Who, who does? 
I think Dali probably did enough today when he came on to probably say give him the nod. Well, we have to talk about that as well. I think that's that's a glaring mistake by Frank Lampard. We spoke about this. Well, I, I I wouldn't have played him today either, to be fair. But that that's and that's that's fine. You would have been fucking wrong as well. Um, <laughs> but I think that we we said this and I, I said that he should have started Delhi because. He loves playing against Chelsea, and sometimes it can be as simple as that. Because you could see when he comes on, he, he's just there is something about him that likes playing against Chelsea, and he was up amongst it, just trying to bully Reese James. And do you know what? Even trying to do it was a difference between Anthony Gordon looking absolutely lost. And you know, it's, it's one of those things. I do feel a bit sorry for Anthony Gordon today because he did struggle, but that's not his role. And again, it goes back to the hierarchy of the club leaving us in this position. And you have a bit of a slap in the face of it being like, oh, Gray can bring on Brozier with like 10 minutes to go. Conor Gallagher to kick people and waste time. Like two minutes to go. <laughs> and it's one of those things where you're like, well, yeah, as you said, and you started this by saying it's quality and personnel as well at the end of the day you can't start games in the Premier League and feel like you have a God-given right to get points if you don't have a forward in that lineup. it's just bonkers I think I'd like to um, sort of focus on slightly for a minute is the substitution Lampard made when he brought McNeil off for Delhi. I thought it was the wrong choice it should have been one of Gray or Gordon who were having very, very poor games. I, I think them. any of them could have come off. I think, I think they were I, all quite poor. I don't, I don't think McNeil was poor. I just, I think, I think he's a lot more positive than the others really? going forward. I think his final production was a lot better. Gray, literally, for, for me, Gray, every time Gray got to the back line, he lost the ball. I think we can agree that Damari Gray was definitely the one that should have come off there. Yeah. He, he was very, very poor today. But looks just look completely lost on a football pitch. Course, yeah. It's very much the absolute opposite of how he started last season. Yeah. It was very much the um, Leicester Damari Gray yeah. who would start a game, not the one that would come on with like half an hour left and score a world. He was just like, he looked very, very lost there. But I think the one thing that really hit home with me today was... Dwight McNeil's quite slow. He's a, he's quite a slow footballer. I got very um, Billy Atten vibes from him today. Yeah, it's just there was he didn't seem to have confidence taking on players. And it's very uh, very very early. It is he's showing he's shown as much good as he has bad. Oh, so absolutely. Far. I think, but I think that you, you can only look at what's in front of you. And from what we've seen, because we, we we when you did the Kiev result, you were praising him, and that's fair enough. But. He looked quite slow, and that's not a great thing for a player in that position. But I, I do think that that substitution, for me, it was a toss-up between um, Damari Gray and Dwight McNeil that could have come off, because I don't think either of them were really at the races today. I think with McNeil, um, I'll agree with the, the, the pace thing there. He didn't. He doesn't look the, the quickest player. He's not. I wouldn't say slow, but he's not rapid like Gray and Gordon are. The one thing I noticed with McNeil is when he had to turn back, he held the ball well and he found a pass and he like he, he recycled it through the midfield. Now, that's not always going to be the most positive choice in the crowd. The crowd are going to want you to go forward with it. But he kept the ball and he, he like kept us in possession, whereas Gray ran into the last man. Like Gray ran into his defender, lost the ball. His first touch was poor. The ball ran away from him at times. Gordon, I'll give Gordon a bit of leeway on this because he was asked to play through the middle and it's clearly not his game. He is clearly a wide forward. Yeah. Um, that's where he's best. 
picking the ball up in space, getting at a man, trying to beat him, putting a cross in, and being asked to do that through the middle and hold the ball up, it just is not his game in the slightest. So I'll get, he gets a pass. Gray, Gray should have been the substitution for Delhi. McNeil should have stayed on, and like I think his creativity alongside Delhi might have factored in another tra- chance or two. Um, one thing I will say about Delhi is he needs to be more clinical. In that he had that chance where the ball was played to him in the box by um, Patterson, and rather than just taking the shot, he tried to. He, he checked it. He tried. He spent about two or three seconds trying to get the perfect position. Well, well that's the difference. And he tried to make the angle perfect, it, yeah, whereas it, an instinctive striker just takes yeah. a shot. If you hit that first time, as long as you get that on target, I'm not saying every single time it's going to go in, but you make the keeper think, you make the keeper react quickly, and you've got more chance. If you take that touch and you set yourself, you allow then the goalkeeper to set himself, you allow the centre-half to set himself. Um, on the centre-half, what I will say is... I know a lot of our fans were very sort of, when it was rumoured at the time when we had Ancelotti as the manager, and it was rumoured at the time that Thiago Silva was coming oh, in. What a player. Honestly, he for me, even now at what, 37, 38, is in the top three centre-halves in that league. He is ridiculous. I, I the way he reads the game is beyond any other footballer in that league. He's always in the right position. And there was a couple of times today, there was the one where Gray had the, the snapshot that he, he managed to do, like he deflected wide for a corner because he stood him up perfectly. And it's just, he is, an, it's, it's, it's bad when you're watching it against your club. Like but at, at, at times it is like, it's enjoyable to watch a genuine world-class footballer play football and like how he plays the game is different levels to other other players i think we can all say that n'golo kante is still very good at football as well yeah, yeah, <laughs> he was very good, good. Yeah. anyway three cheers for ramirez guys just very quick before we finish keith nathan parson class today wasn't he honestly i thought he was absolutely superb he's he's um yeah he, he's got everything you want from. He's like, no, 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 he's always stuck up for him, in fairness. <laughs> always beautiful for him. Come on. <laughs> he's one of those, I still believe he's very raw and he does have a lot of developing to do. Um, in terms of like professional starts, he still hasn't made that many professional starts um, and he's now being thrust in as a Premier League starter. But he is. He has the raw materials, he has the potential to be a very, very good fullback slash wingback for Everton this season and beyond. Um, and he has the qualities that I like in a Scottish defender in that he's quick, he's good in the tackle, and he's an aggy little bastard. You saw him down the touchline with Chilwell, and I'm absolutely, like, I'm not 100% certain. But I would I would be willing to wager large sums of money that he told Chilwell at one point that he dropped his fox hunting horn. <laughs> he he spent a good five minutes having a go at him, and he was right in his head. And it says a lot that Chilwell's been a, a professional for what yeah. a good sort of seven or eight ten years now. And Nathan Patterson was in his head from the moment he like came on the bench, the moment he was up against him, he was. 
like he terrored him, and he had a, he had a professional footballer feigning injury and falling over to try and buy cheap free kicks because he was just the pressing was that good. And he, he's just, yeah, he's horrible. And he's, he's going to be one of those. He will be in a lot of faces this year. And I think he will see as the season goes on and as he gets more confident and as he settles into the role, I think you'll start to see more of the attacking side of his game. Yeah. Um, we didn't see a lot of it today. We saw bits and bobs where he got forward and he provided good crosses into the box or he got forward and then he cut it back for the midfield to like drive in. I think you'll see a lot of assists from him this season once he get once he fully settles into that role. Um, and when he's got a striker in there, when he's got Calvert Lewin to aim for in the box, that's that's a perfect target man for the sort of crosses he can deliver. So it's a good start. I'm not going to get carried away with him. I'm not going to say he's the second coming or anything, but it's nice that we have finally looked at and addressed the right back issue after however many years. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to follow up there. Um, right back to the start when you were talking, you said about um, Bright McNeil, and um, I must say, he plays the ball back well, is like the winger version of a centre forward holds the ball up well. But kind of damning with faint praise, but we'll see how he goes. But I agree with you completely on Patterson, like I said earlier on, very impressed with how he managed. And I mean, what better situation for him to be developing his, you know, playing his trade at club and developing his game when he's got one of the all-time greatest yeah. fullbacks in the Premier League era there at the club in James Coleman. So, you know, he's... <laughs> <laughs> give Mike back his phone. <laughs> Mike. Uh, 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 Nathan Parson before we wrap up. Of course, I find him very interesting. Yeah. Um, I think that we speak about players at that age, and the word you hear a lot is raw. I think when he came to the league, that was yeah, yeah. one of the things. Fair play, I was not expecting that. Yeah, yeah. I think that he very, he really, really did hold his own, and against a, a, a good, a good side. So I'll be very interested to see how he goes because. I don't think he should be dropped. If Seamus Coleman is fit next week, I, I wouldn't drop him. I think hes he looks like he belongs at this level and he looks like he has the potential to go a lot, lot further, which really is very interesting. Um, on the other side, Mikolenko as well. I think yeah. a few words for him as well because he has gone from strength to strength in this league. I didn't think when he started that he would be able to have the sustainability and the energy to make it. But he's doing quite well. He's, he is getting better and better, so it'll be interesting to see. I think that we sit here and we reflect oh, no. on that. Shut up. Shut up. So, sorry. Um, Mike wants to talk to the listener there. He's talking to Matt and Keith. Who are being really, really rude. I hate it when people talk over other people. It's not very nice as a listener. Um, just because you've had a drink. Um, I think that, had a drink. Calm down. I think that we sit here and we reflect on that. And we all come away from it thinking that, yeah, it's not that bad. And that's a really not a nice thing to think about the end of an opening day. And I think that maybe our overarching thing is, yeah, maybe I think we probably don't go down. How has it come to this? Like, I know, like, like we get to the point where that's acceptable and it shouldn't be. 
I do think it does need repeating because we we do fall into this trap. Yeah. Like people talk about how they feel optimistically going into the season. It's like, oh yeah, seventh. We got two midfielders. We might get to fourteenth. I mean, really, really? Like we we need to point it out yeah. because there will be people sat there screaming about not bringing in a forward, having a gaping midfield, having no backup anywhere along the pitch, and being three or four injuries away from a relegation battle. I think we'll be okay, but it shouldn't be at that point. It really shouldn't. But, you know, there is potential in there. There are seeds that are growing and there is so much deadwood still to get rid of. But I'm not I'm not overly Scrooge McDuck about it. I'm not overly sat here feeling like this is a club that is a smouldering wreckage that maybe it was a year ago. I think that there are shoots of recovery maybe there. Maybe if we get two or three months, that would change. But right now, there are a couple of things to be positive about. I think you said Onana yeah. was in the yeah, director's yeah, box yeah, yeah. today and see how that goes. Another raw player who hopefully, like Patterson, isn't as raw as... Yeah, yeah. And is maybe a little bit ready. Garner Gay on the way as well. That will make a big difference. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm not overly pessimistic. I'm not overly optimistic. And that probably makes me quite sad. It shouldn't be there, but it is, and we get on with it. There we go. Very balanced way to finish the show. I'm glad that I did most of the talking there, because I can't <laughs> actually can we say... Can something dramatic to end on? Can we can't say, I can't say any words. That might be dramatic. My voice is completely gone. Is, it, is this uh, going to be the season of common sense and, like, reliable opinions? Does anyone want to do the sign-off? Because I really... I feel like that commentator on the rugby league, I can't speak. He can't speak. Right, Keith Thomas going to do the sign-off. Yeah, I'll take the sign-off. Um, so, Everton have lost today in an opening day shocker. Um, no. Hey, to be fair, we have, we've done very well on opening days recently. Um, not today, obviously. We will lose worse games to worse teams than we have today. In worse ways. In worse ways. But, there are, there are green shoots of recovery from last season that are very pleasing to focus on. And I think there's a lot to get behind with this Everton right now. And there's a lot of, po- lot of things to be positive with about Frank Lampard's Everton going forward. So on the Blue Room, you know us, we like to focus on positivity. We never, go, we never go for the hyperbole. We don't like the obscene opinions. We we I like middle of the road. Don't go for the hyperbole, says the man with an imagination brush. <laughs> my imagination my imagination brush is painting Everton as twelfth twelfth position that. mediocrity. I can't believe you gave him a microphone. I, I can't believe you did. I, know. I thought you were gonna say that's the show. Bye. Anyway, this is the end of the post match podcast. My thanks go to Matt Jones, to Michael Diasha, to Matthew Flusk. And to Jessica Ackerley for sitting here watching us chatting absolute wham. Now, we're all off. We're all off to enjoy the absolute delights of the Denby Disco, one of Liverpool's premier entertainment venues. (laughs) Just as Jack Carlisle walks in the door in the most padded gillet you'll ever see in all your days. Ladies and gentlemen... Thank you very much for listening, Jack. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.